Well, good morning. It's good to see you um, again. On, I'm a little more dry this time around. Uh, what a great celebration, though, of, of baptism. And Susanna, we sure are proud of you. And, um, and just that decision that you've made. And, that, and it's a witness to other people. And it's a testimony to the life that God brings. And that's what I want us to talk about today. I want us to talk about this. You know, as we were, um, if you were here last week, then you know where we started this series. We thought it was the perfect series to start um, with the new church and everything. And it was this idea that, you know, so for a couple of decades now, we've had the What Would Jesus Do bracelets, right? We've had those, and I don't know when it came out, but about a year ago I noticed the HWLF, and I thought, well, what is, and it's He Would Love First. And I thought, well, that's, that's so perfect, because we don't want to walk around with giant question marks, you know, as Christians going, well, I don't wonder, wonder what Jesus would do. No, it's He Would Love First. It kind of gives us a direction to go in, right, as followers of Jesus. Well, if, if He would love first, then that's what we should be doing. So, and, and that's amazing. And then I thought, okay, well, let's take it a step further then. If what Jesus would do is He would love first, then as the church, as people who proclaim Jesus as Lord, who, who say that, yes, you are the one that has gave of yourself, gave of your life so that we might live, then His church will too. What would Jesus do? He would love first. His church will too. And this is what we're doing over the next several weeks is we're looking at aspects and, and, and the reality of what Jesus did from Scripture. And we are saying, okay, as a church, how do we do this? How do we do this in love? Because we know he would do it in love. But how do we live this out? And so uh, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go online, uh, Facebook, uh, our BoxCast, and watch last week's message. Um, but we talked about that Jesus came to make things new. That was the whole focus of last week, that Jesus came to make things new. And we used the example of new wine. And we talked about how you can't put new wine in an old wineskin because the old wineskin can't hold it. It's already taken its shape. It's already set to hold the wine it had. And you pour new wine in old wine, and it's just not going to work and Jesus came to bring new wine he established a new covenant with us he he said I'm going to do it differently you thought this is how you were going to live out your life in honor to God and worshiping God and all that but Jesus came to fulfill the law but for it to now make sense and he he bridged that gap between God and the and all of us humanity and Jesus came in and did that so we talked last week about Jesus coming to make things new Today I want us to look at two other aspects of Jesus' ministry. One we're going to talk about kind of briefly. Um, we, we live this reality or, or this, this aspect of Jesus' life. We live it every day as the Porch Community Church. And another one I want us to uh, kind of hone in on a little bit more. But the first one is this. Is so we know that Jesus came to make things new. We also know that Jesus, uh, he would speak in a way to his... Uh, audience, he would tell stories that were relevant to the people that were listening. Jesus told stories that were relevant to his audience. So if that's what Jesus would do, then guess what as a church, what are we going to do? We're going to do that too. Okay, Jesus spoke, he used uh, relevant stories to his audience, and so as a church, we'll do that too. In Matthew 13, verse 34, we find this. We find that um, anytime you find Jesus speaking to a group of people. Now, when he was just talking to his disciples or sometimes having one-on-one -on -one conversations, he wouldn't just use stories and illustrations. But what we find is every time he was talking to a large group of people, 
Matthew 13, 34 tells us how he did it. And it says this, Jesus always used stories and illustrations when speaking to the crowds. I mean, that's pretty plain and simple right there. He always used stories and illustrations when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. So when Jesus was talking to a crowd of people, he knew that you've got people at all different, they're like on all different kind of, you know, journeys, uh, their spiritual journey, where they are and their connection to God. Some people knew the law, some people didn't. Some were children, some were, you know, 80, 90 years old. I mean, there was a wide range of people with life experience and understanding of who God was. So what Jesus did is he said, I'm going to tell you a story. And what do we do, folks? When someone is talking and they say, when I was 10 years old, you lean in, right? And you go, okay, here comes a story. Doesn't matter if you have a PhD or it doesn't matter, any of those things. When someone tells a story, you listen. And Jesus knew that was the way to get the listening audience to lean in. So Jesus always used stories and illustrations. Now, if you have... uh, if you're new to the porch, if, if you weren't with us when we were downtown, you might not know this, but you'll find out very quickly that we love to use modern-day stories and illustrations to make a spiritual point just the same way Jesus did. So for about 10 years ago, we started doing the Summer at the Movies series, which we just love to do, and we draw, we help point people to Jesus. Um, we did a, a series back in the spring, and I think we'll do it again, I don't know when, maybe later in the fall, but we did a series called Playlist, and Justin and myself, we, we pulled some songs that really speak to us and have had some kind of an impact or, or meaning to us, and we shared them as illustrations, as stories, and we pointed back to Jesus. We've done these things because Jesus did them, so as the church, this is what we will do too. Jesus told stories, his church will too. And, and I want to just add on to that. I love the fact, I, if, see, I have this great viewpoint up here on the stage, y'all don't see, but I love the fact that when I look out here, I see our students on the front row, and they've got Bibles open, notebooks open, and they're taking notes, and I love it. And there's a reason for that that, well, I think it's good because it helps us learn, it helps us remember, it helps us go back and go, now, what was that? What was that verse again? What was that point? Because, you know, God really spoke to me in that. Or if you're like me, I'm up here rattling on and God's already told you something else and you're like, I better write this down, right? That happens. So, um, but I would say that because we're all at different stages of life and we're on a different places on our faith journey, right? Some of you in here like, you are like so wise and so learned and like you, your understanding and knowledge of scripture is vast. And then there's others that are like going, I hope she doesn't ask us to turn to a page because I'm going to be really embarrassed because one, I didn't even bring a Bible and two, if I did, I wouldn't know where to turn. See, that's kind of where we all are. We're on a faith journey, right? But here's the thing. When, we, when I stand up here, when anyone stands up here and talks, it's, this is a one-way conversation, okay? It just is. It's just, the, it's just the nature of what it is. So there's not a lot of conversation going on. When the real... Um, faith when when we really start to grow and take root in our faith it's not when we're here in worship this is a wonderful amazing time to celebrate what God's doing it is a wonderful time for for God to kind of grab a hold of us and say hold on a minute listen hold on a minute lean in but you know where the real growth happens is when you study 
when you sit down with other people, when you talk about Scripture, when you pray for one another, when you do these things and you go in-depth. See, Jesus knew to talk to a giant group of people, he, he wouldn't be able to go into these really deep things of God. But he knew he could tell a story. And so we're going to do that as the church. But I say that because it might be, there might be times when you walk out going, well, that was kind of light. You know, I was kind of ready for like a, a heavy meal. And I kind of got just like a little appetizer from Shannon or whoever's up there speaking. Well, it's because we want the, the real meat of it's going to happen as you journey on this. As you get together in your community groups. As you ask questions. As you pray. So we're going to tell stories and it might sometimes th seem like it's kind of light, kind of like an appetizer, but there's a reason for it, because Jesus did it, and we're going to do it too. All right, so, so we know a couple things so far. We know that Jesus came to make things new, right? He came to fulfill the old law. He came to bring the new covenant for us. Now we find from Matthew 13 that Jesus, he told stories. He told stories relevant to his audience. He didn't talk in words or phrases or talk about things that the listening audience didn't understand. They got it. And so we're going to do that too. And then here's the third thing, and this is what I said. Uh, Susanna's example of, of baptism today was perfect because we want to talk about this. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus brings life. Jesus brings life. And so as his church, we want to do that too. We want to bring life too. How do, what does that look like? How does that happen? And I just want to pause here because if you're like me, when I first wrote this, I was like, yeah, yeah, Jesus brings life. We can kind of gloss over this. We can kind of go, well, yeah, that's, a really, that's kind of a churchy thing. We all know this. Jesus brings life, of course. Move along. What's the point? What are you trying to say? No, that's what I'm trying to say. Jesus brings life. See, where there was death, Jesus brought life. Folks, that's good news for you today. Because if you found yourself in a place of what seems like death, what seems like there's no way out, what seems like there is no possible upturn to this, that you're in the deepest, darkest pit you could ever be in and there's no way out. I want to tell you that Jesus came to bring life. And we know this because he himself did this. See, here's what sometimes maybe we forget. Jesus was human. He was fully human. And my brain can't quite grab a hold of how he was fully human and fully God, but I believe it to be true. That's why I'm just going to hang my hat on that, okay? But he was fully human. And what that means is, is that he drew breath into his lungs like you're doing right now. And his heart beats like yours is right now. And on a hot, humid day in South Georgia, Jesus would sweat just like you are doing. And he laughs. He was fully human. He would be hungry and he would eat. He would be tired and he would sleep. Jesus was fully human and then because he is fully God as well his whole purpose for coming was so that we might have life but see you and I <laughs> we mess up we mess up we sin and because God is so holy there was a separation between all of us who mess up there's not a one who hadn't and God, who was holy, and we could not be together. And Jesus came to reconnect us to what we were created to be 
in communion with God. Jesus came to connect us. And so in his fully human nature, he had to come because there was a price to pay for all of our sin. So he gave his life so that we would have life. He gave of himself. So here's what happens. See, we gloss over this. But he goes, he, he suffers acutely. He, go, he is tortured, he is beaten, and he goes to the cross. And after a period of time, you know what happens? He quits drawing in breath to his lungs. And his heart stops beating. And his body temperature starts to drop. And he stops sweating. And his friends are not laughing with him. There is no hunger because there is no life. Jesus gave of himself unto death. Dead. And then three days later, three days later, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, breath comes into his lungs again. Heart starts to beat again. His brain starts firing synapses again. He feels the temperature of the tomb. Is it hot? Is it cold? It's probably cold. It's there to keep him, keep the body fresh. The stone is rolled away. He steps out into the sun. He feels the heat. He sees two friends. He's alive again. Jesus came to bring life. To death. Folks, that's powerful. He came to bring life to death. And so there was a real true death, and then there was a real true resurrection. He comes to bring life. He paid our debt, a debt that had to be paid. And the beautiful thing, folks, is that he didn't just come to give us one more chance. Because you know what? I've failed on my one more chance. No, he came to bring us new life, resurrected life. You don't have to be that person anymore, new life. Jesus came to do this. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we read the power of this that, that Paul writes. He, he put, tries to put it into words. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6. Now, hear this. It's a, it's a fairly well-known passage, but hear it in light of Jesus dying and coming to life. He says, but God is so rich in mercy. See, we didn't deserve this. He is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, dead, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. And verse 6, this is the powerful part because, see, Jesus came to bring life. This is it. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. See, the resurrection that Jesus experienced, folks, when we say yes to him, we have that same resurrection. 
We are no longer dead. Jesus came to bring life. And as his church, we will too. So what does that look like for us? I, I, thought, of two, I thought of what it does look like, and I thought of what it doesn't look like. And I think we need to be challenged by both. So what does it look like for his church to bring life? Well, we will never assume. We will never assume that somebody is too far gone. I will never stand up here and look out and go, oh, oh, I see that guy back there. <laughs> There's no hope. Never. We will never do that. In community groups, we will never do that. We will never assume that somebody is too far gone because guess what? You weren't too far gone. We will never. We will never. And because, see, when we do that, when we assume that somebody is out of God's reach, we are condemning them to the grave. I don't want that. I don't want that power to you. So we will never assume that someone is too far gone. I, I, I wrote this down. It's real. It, this is heavy stuff right here. Get ready. Jesus doesn't give up on people, and neither will we. Jesus doesn't give up on people. There's people you know, and you're like, man, I've, I've given up. They're done. I'm done. You know what? You might be done, but Jesus isn't. You might be done with somebody, and that's okay. You're not their Savior. Jesus doesn't give up on people, neither will we. So, so that's how, what does it look like for us to, to bring life? Well, we want to be a place where, where we, anybody, and I know it's hard. I, I mentioned it last week. The, one of the biggest spiritual steps I ever took in my life was just showing up. I mean, pulling into the parking lot was tremendous for me when I was 24 years old and lost as lost could be. Would have written myself off as too far gone. Some people I knew would have written me off as too far gone. But just showing up was huge for me. And then walking through the door, oh my goodness. And we want anybody to be able to drive onto this campus and anybody to walk through these doors and for them to know and hear and feel that they are not too far gone. Jesus came to bring life. And we want to help that. We want to help that person find that life. Are you with me? You agree with me? Okay. Guess I'll move on. Thank you. Thank you. So that's what it looks like for us what is it, as a church to bring life. It's, it's really not like super difficult. It's not like some like, you know, 12-point plan. It's just that we won't assume anyone's too far gone. But I, will, I do want to mention what it doesn't look like because I think we could fall into this trap, especially if you've, if you've been around church for a while. This, this is a trap I've been in. Some of you may have been in. You may have been in churches. That, this And, and I, I want us to, I want to make sure we don't get into this because what, even though Jesus doesn't give up on people, there are plenty of times when Jesus gives up on ideas or when Jesus gives up on our plans, like, like that was not a good idea, like stop doing that. He didn't give up on us. 
He just said, hold on a minute. Like, just quit doing that. Stop. Or I have a better way. Or will you listen to me, you dummy? You know, that's how he talks to me. So in a loving way, because he would love first. But, he, you know, dummy in a, in a loving way. Um, we'll walk. So what I mean by this is that we won't walk away from people. But we will walk away from going through the motions, tired, fruitless attempts of being churchy because we think that that's what you're supposed to do in the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, because here's what I know. Jesus spoke against a tree because it wasn't bearing fruit. He was like, you're supposed to bear fruit and you're not bearing fruit, so curse is on you. Right? So he didn't say, who planted this tree? You're done. No, 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 it's just the tree. Right? So what I mean by that is that, like, when I think about, as a church, like, programs ministries uh, we, we can use lots of terms opportunities to serve uh, we can call them lots of things but when those things don't bear fruit when those things no longer do what they were intended to do or even if it started with a great idea or whatever or it worked for a while when those things don't bear fruit that aren't doing kingdom work then we're just going to let them go and I think it's important for us to hear this as we, as we kind of establish ourselves as, as a church is we want to be willing to let things go, not people. So we, we don't want to just keep doing church a certain way because that's the way it's always been done. It's not producing fruit. Let's stop. Where I think a lot of churches, and I would say Christians, and I know I've been guilty of this as well, but where a lot of churches can get off track is that we start to put programs before people. We start to say, oh no, this program's really important. Yeah, but, but there's some people that we're not mentioning. No, no, but this program, it's so important. Yeah, but what about, the, there's this guy and, I, there's this, and we want to share with them. But no, no, we gotta, it's about the program. And, and we want to make sure that we're not about that. If, it's, if it isn't life-producing, if it doesn't have kingdom growth as the end goal, then what I want us to do is to be able to cut that loose without a second thought. When you put programs before people, what happens is the programs become more important than people growing closer to Jesus. We don't want that. When, when the program becomes more important, it becomes an idol. And we don't want that. Because when you think about it, see, a program, a ministry, an opportunity, whatever you want to call it, folks, that is, that is intended to be a vehicle to get people closer to Jesus, right? It's just a vehicle. This is one way we can help people get closer to Jesus. But what too many churches do is they make the program the destination. Like, no, this is where it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to happen. It's this and nothing else. And that's not life. That, that's, that's a false sense of doing kingdom work. We don't want that. Jesus came to bring life. He didn't come to bring programs. Now, can he minister to people through programs? Yes. Can he minister to people through worship services and missions and, and community groups and student ministry and our kids' ministry? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But we want people to be before the programs. And so that's why what you might find me saying and others saying is that we don't want to be about programs. We want to be about paths, like a path. Like here's a path. Our student ministry is a path for our students to grow closer to Jesus. Our community groups 
are a path for people to grow closer in Christ-like community with each other and with Christ himself, right? That's what we want it to do. We want our kids' ministry, our porch kids, that is a path for our kids to learn about our God and his immense love for them. Everything. Our, our serve teams, all the people you see in the red shirts that are serving, these are paths for people to say, here's one way I'm serving. This is one way I'm giving back. I'm offering my time, my skills, my experience, my sweat, parking team. Here it is for Jesus. It's a path. Paths instead of programs. And here's what happens, see, when you view things as just a path, if we ever find ourselves getting off track, like suddenly it's not really, maybe we find ourselves going, hold on, this isn't, this isn't really drawing people closer to Jesus like we thought it would. Or when, when maybe when we first started it did, but now it's not. When it's just a path, guess what you can do? Is you can go, well, how about let's get off this path? Let's turn around. Let's just recollect, reconnect, uh, recorrect a little bit. You know, let's just, let's just kind of get back on the path. But let me tell you, when it becomes, when the program becomes a destination and you say, hold on, let's not do this anymore, people will lose their minds. Especially when it comes to church. Jesus came to bring life. And as a church, we want to help people do that. So we want to be willing to say, Lord, what is it you want us to do? Lord, what is it you want us to stop doing? Lord, what is it that we could do better to honor you? Because it's just a path. Jesus came to bring life. So what we find so far is that Jesus came to make things new. So if you came in here today and you're like, man, I'm, <laughs> this is old, this is tired, this is done. I have good news for you today. Jesus came to make things new. He came to bring you new life. Where you were dead and done and where you thought you might have been too far gone, Jesus comes to bring life. And we celebrate that. Why, why, did, why did I, when, when Susanna and I were in the, in the baptismal, why did I put her under the water? Because it represents going from death to new life. That water representing the, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit, of, of, of newness. That's what he came to do in us. And we want to share this. So we, we know he came to make things new. We know that he came to bring life. And we know that he spoke in a way that everyone could kind of get it and that's what we want to do as this church there's a couple more things we're going to look at over the next few weeks what would Jesus do he would love first and his church will too let's pray together father I thank you for I thank you for the beautiful sacrament of baptism that we witnessed this morning and Lord, I thank you for that just visual because you, you teach us, you, are, you teach us visually, um, you know, you, you know our senses, you know that we see and hear and smell and touch and all these things and you gave us sacraments like baptism and communion to help draw us in and to remind us where that baptism represents the new life found in your son Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that, that it, we don't have to go through 
certain ceremonies or things in order to be closer to you. You give them to us to celebrate them and to be reminded of them. But in this very moment, in this very place, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you speak to those who felt as if they're too far gone. Who felt as if they are in the grave of of their life. That the decisions and the choices and the circumstances that that have been around them, that they've been a part of, have just been too much. But God, I thank you for the huge spiritual step of showing up here today. And the, and the, the courage that it took to walk through the doors. And God, I pray that because of your son Jesus, when we call out to you and say yes, Yes, I understand my sin separates me from God. Yes, I understand I can never do it good enough for you, Lord. And we understand our dependence on Jesus Christ. That that would be the declaration today of many, many people in this room that would call out to you. God, as his church, would you help us to be truly present in people's lives. God, would you forgive those of us who have written people off? God, forgive us. And maybe we're not the ones to be present in their lives. Maybe too much has happened and too much occurred and we just can't, but God, you can. God, we pray for for people to come into the lives of those that we that we that we just it's hard it's hard God would you surround those people that we're thinking of right now with godly wise people or draw them back to you God and I thank you that as you look across this room and you know every name in here You know every single story. None of us are too far gone. Thank you for the life that you bring in Jesus Christ. Help us as your church to live that out as a reality everywhere we go. And I pray all this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I have a question for you. Um, The last couple of weeks, we've been um, asking people if they want to partner in ministry with us. And and that's the term we use. um, It it means the same if you were to go to another church and maybe they'd say, hey, do you want to join? Do you want to become a member? Well, we're just wanting to, you know, do things a little little new, a little different, you know, challenge us to think differently. So we said, no, we're going to partner in ministry. That's what we're doing. And so the last two weeks on our 30th, when we had our constituting service, and last week on our first Sunday, we asked people that uh, would like to partner in ministry, um, if they would like to do that. So I want to offer that to you now. We had about 20 or so folks do that at the 930 service. So if you would like to partner in ministry and be considered what we're calling our charter partners, you know, the folks that said we're there from the very beginning. I'd love for you to come and stand up here uh, in front of the stage because I have a couple of questions I want to ask you. So are there any that would like to uh, partner in ministry today, if you would come. 
It always takes that one brave soul. Good job. Good job, Drew Spell. <laughs> Shapiro clan. Good to see you folks. So I have uh, two questions. And one, the, the first one is the most important. It's the same one I asked Susanna right before her baptism. And it's this, are you followers of Jesus Christ? If so, say, I am. Okay. So now with that and saying, okay, so you want to partner in ministry, what I would ask is, will you support this church? Will you be here? Like, will you show up when you're, when you're able? Will you um, sign up whenever we need help? You know, when we need, you know, I think about our Disciple Now coming in a couple of weeks. And, oh, my goodness, we're going to need so much help. You'll hear more about that this week. Um, but will you do that? Will you share your gifts and your resources and, and the ways in which you're able to help support the ministries of the church so that we can bring life to our community in the name of Jesus? Will you do that? If so, say, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Well, look out here. Folks, look at these fine people who are partnering in ministry today. Welcome them in. And um, so, listen, you might be wondering, I need to know more information, and that's cool. Write that down in your connection card. Someone will be in touch with you later this week to give you a little more detail if you're wondering what this is about. What I'm going to ask of those of you standing, Neil, if you'll lead the way, we have our charter partner book in the lobby, and I'd love for you guys to sign that. So if you would follow Neil into the lobby and sign it, and then you can come back around and join us in worship. <clears throat> Let's celebrate those folks again. So exciting. And now before we return now to a time of, well, no, this is what we call our response time. It's like our hearts going, okay, God, we've heard your word. We've, we've seen something. We've heard something. God, what, is, what are you saying to me? That's a beautiful time for us to do that. Another way we respond is by saying, doing what I just asked these folks standing up here at front, and that is supporting the church. So would you pray with me as we prepare to receive our offerings? Father, thank you for the ways in which you have worked in our lives. You've provided for us. You've cared for us. You've done it with resources. You've done it with people. God, I pray now as we take this moment to give back to you and to honor you with our lives, that you would bless what is given, whether it's given now or we've already done it. We did it online. We sent it in. Lord, would you remind each and every one of us of our part we play in your presence in this community. And we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can put your connection cards and your offerings in there as they come by. And then let's stand and let's respond to the Lord this morning.